links rely on partnerships and the amazing work of so many organizations and leaders to achieve our collective community goals. I hold dear the bonds of friendship. We are friends transforming communities through service. implement transformative programs that address the most critical needs of underserved communities. Welcome to LinkedIn Impact with the Arlington Links, a podcast which transforms our community by highlighting the issues, resources, and leaders that you need to know. Nearly 20% of high school students report serious thoughts of suicide, and 9% had made an attempt to take their lives. Monthly drug overdose deaths nearly tripled among adolescents from 2019 through the end of 2021. Nearly half of U.S. teens have been bullied or harassed online, with physical appearance being seen as a relatively common reason why. And many high school students have reported experiencing mental health challenges during covid the statistics have become simply overwhelming. I know many of us have been feeling hopeless, wondering if we can recognize the signs of distress in the youth around us. Despite the challenges that our youth are facing, the Links Incorporated are determined to intentionally work to ensure that our youth not only survive, but thrive. One of our initiatives is Services to Youth, where we focus on the academic success and healthy engagement of students. Our goals are not only to prepare the youth to compete in a global society through challenging enrichment activities, but to increase the number of girls in the STEAM space by empowering them to become groundbreakers, leaders, and builders of their own futures. In this episode, we hear from Karen Johnson, Program Chair for the Arlington, Virginia chapter of the Lynx Incorporated, who talks about why our career readiness and college preparation programs are so important. I also speak with two of our speakers from our 2022 STEAM Plus program, Karan Duncan, Director of Innovation at Northrop Grumman, and Alexandria Maloney, President of the Black Professionals in International Affairs and the National Director of Membership for the National Association of Black Accountants. They provide an excellent perspective on how they inspire our youth. We hope that at the end of this conversation, you are inspired to work with us to ensure our youth succeed. Enjoy the conversation. So Karen, why is it so important for the link to focus on STEAM plus paving pathways to college and career readiness? Well, the pathway to a diverse, equitable and inclusive community begins with an equitable education. And as we worked with our middle school girls in a Lego robotics uh, preparation, we learned that there's a lack of academic enrichment for our children. You know, what are the ways that the links help students get to college and for career readiness in general? So with that experience, we kind of really engage with the public schools in our area. We uh, have a partnership agreement with the Arlington County Public Schools, as well as Alexandria City Public Schools. And we did that to ensure that we have a dialogue and an opportunity to engage with the children 
even as early as elementary school, because that's the foundation, right? You have to ensure that the foundation is laid so that you can have success and that the children could be well-prepared as high school students and then enter into college and career readiness. A way that we ensure that is by um, engagement in a reading program with our elementary school children, and as well as, as I said, the uh, Lego Robotics program in middle school, as well as we established the very first Nesby Junior, National Society of Black Engineers Junior program in Arlington County. So we are very proud of our Drew Dragons as they engage and enter a very fantastic time for their development. Excellent. You know, I'm really excited about the Nesby Junior program. I ended up being a political science major, but I initially was an engineering major um, and was involved with Nesby in college. So I'm really oh, glad nice. to see this. This is great. <laughs> That's awesome to know. Yes, I should yes, add absolutely. to that a signature way that we assist our children in succeeding in college is that we actually fund scholarships for them ranging from $1,000 to $5,000, not just once, one time an award, but it's a, an award that goes with them throughout their college matriculation. So we do that for four years to continue to support them uh, financially, as well as we dialogue with them throughout their matriculation to offer support and engagement where we can and point them to other college resources that we may be aware of that are traditionally available at, at any college campus which they may not be aware of. So that's a signature way that we kind of propel them forward after uh, establishing a foundation and helping to shore up that foundation so they enjoy as much success as possible. I did want to say also that the STEAM Plus program that we have is a multi-session program where we do include college readiness and a peer-to-peer type of discussion with recent college students, current college students or recent college graduates and we also provide information on financial aid. So those are pathways that we lay forward for them. I think that's really important. And I think as we all know, and we see the studies and we see anecdotally that scholarships are great, the money is great, but there are so many other factors that affect you when you walk on a college campus or you know, start that stage of your education. And I'm, it's really great to know that the links try to provide almost in the college, looking at it in the college and career perspective, like wraparound services for that population. That's excellent. So I want you to imagine that it's the year 2028 and we have significantly increased the rates of students who are ready for college and then go on to excel in their careers. If If we were in 2028 and then you were able to look back, what would you say would be the ways that we were successful? What would that look like? What types of resources would have been available in the next five years? How would community partners have come together? What roles would parents and teachers have played in getting us to that successful mark? I think that last note is really very critical, the parent and teacher engagement. And what we are learning is that we're trying to bridge gaps in that, right? We're trying to increase that dialogue so that everyone will have the tools that are needed to better support children as they grow and as they learn. So one thing that looking back, you would see is more engagement within the teachers and school administrators to really recognize some of the biases that may be embedded within themselves and within the institution. What we found with is an organization called Arlington Black Families. And what they had funded a, re- a report, and it was discovered that a lot of children are not being 
Black children are not being identified in that talented and gifted program. And without that identification, you don't receive entree to the other opportunities that are dependent upon that classification, right? And it's out of proportion, right? So you have 28% of white children in the school population comprising 62% of the TAG program in Alexandria City. In Arlington, you have 33% of white students identified as gifted, but only 15% of black students. So why is that? That's like numerically unacceptable. <laughs> it doesn't align appropriately with what you would expect in typical statistics, right? So we would like for some real introspection to occur. And, and I think that's what we're doing by bringing these things up that they may not be aware of or supporting those organizations like Black Parents of Arlington who have done the report and to give them light and help them to you know, change the course on the baseline level. And then we want the parents to be engaged so they are, that they are aware of the various programs. Do they even know that there's a talented and gifted program available? Do they know they should dialogue with the teacher? Bring it up with the teacher so that the teacher knows that you are aware you're interested. These are the, these are the skill sets that you've identified in your children such that they can become aware and that they can look for those things or you know, tease those things out, create opportunities to showcase in that child what the child has to bring to bear, right? So we hope those types of things will show and change the landscape to help prepare the children to their best. For the community engagement, we try to engage with other community partners that share a similar mission. We also hope to see corporate citizens step forth and yes. improve the opportunities that lay at, uh, at the feet of these children and to help the schools. I mean, they can support the schools as well. You know, the schools are underfunded. They are mm -hmm. understaffed. So to the extent that any of us can lift them up and support them as they go forward, that will change the landscape as well. So you have a variety of inputs, right, that can help shape the outcome for children in Arlington and Alexandria and really across the nation as we, as we go forward. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, to anyone out there who is listening, parents, teachers, potential members of the business community, um, we are definitely interested in partnering on ways we can do better for our children. Definitely. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk today. Thank you, Karen, for sharing our vision for how we must come together as a community to ensure that all youth succeed. I now have with me Karan Duncan, Director of Innovation at Northrop Grumman, and Alexandria Maloney, President of the Black Professionals in International Affairs and the National Director of Membership for the National Association of Black Accountants. So Karan, talk to us about your own particular career path. Sure. Yeah. So a little bit about me. So um, I grew up, I was born in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean and came to the United States when I was 11. And I've always had, I would say, a, a keen interest in science and technology and just everything related to just technology, right? That was always my passion. So as I got older and I got more interested in going to college, I went to Morgan State University as an um, electrical and computer engineer. Once I graduated, I started um, to look for opportunities, and I found one at North Grumman where I started my career, and I've been there ever since, going on um, over 22 years now in North Grumman. 
So a uh, long career, but I've had an amazing opportunity to do so many things, whether it's developing technology from scratch, you know, from really paper designs, just ideas and actually bringing it to reality, to supporting numerous programs and various types of technologies to support our customer, which is the uh, United States and, and our allies. Um, but over time, I've had to learn new, new skills, grow in terms of my knowledge and expertise. And one of the key things I've had, uh, I've had throughout that process is a lot of folks who have been able to help me. So lots of mentors, lots of sponsors, people who have really taken the time to pour into me and help me throughout my career. So very important. And the, the Arlington links really with our youth work and our scholarships, one thing we like to do is not only provide scholarships, but also provide an opportunity to mentor and still help those students. So that's that's really important. And it's glad to hear you. I'm glad to hear you say that. So Alexandria, talk to us a little about your own career path. Sure. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Alexandra Maloney, and um, my career path started way back in high school. So my first exposure to anything international and foreign affairs came from my high school French teacher, Ms. Rosa Shamdani, my senior year. And in that class, she exposed us to not only the French language, but the culture, the, the art, the lifestyle, living overseas and studying abroad. And so that's where I got my first real exposure and interest to wanting to pursue my academic journey overseas. So started that path and finished with my BA in international affairs from a private American university in Rome, Italy called John Cabot University. Shout out to John Cabot. A wonderful experience. My, I was, my eyes were open to the world. I was in an international school learning about different foreign affairs related topics and the current events from other students who were very passionate about it. And so while I was at JCU, I was learning about different international and foreign affairs career options. So whether that was as a diplomat or an ambassador or an international businesswoman, and me being the, the rambunctious woman that I am, I wanted to do all the things, Krista, <laughs> as a college student, but really honed in on the foreign service track. And I mentioned that in particular because it's important to share with our young people that sometimes the plan doesn't go as originally planned, right? And so I had taken the foreign service exam. I, If you would have asked me my senior year, I would have said, you know, I start my, my foreign service training in the fall, like had it all worked out, but life had another path for me. And so I didn't pass the foreign service exam. I was pretty discouraged, but I knew that I had a passion for foreign affairs and that I wanted to keep moving forward and continue to build myself as a professional, right? And so I returned from the States. I did an internship with the U.S. Department of State and then continued with my first master's program at Morgan State University doing my MA in international studies. And then from there, had the the realization that I knew that I still wanted to go the government and public sector route and continued on with my master's in public administration from uh, Cornell University. And so through the academic journey, I had different professional and internship and full-time jobs and research and consulting things throughout that time. 
Some of them included the White House Initiative for HBCUs, uh, the United Nations Foundation, and a few others. But when I graduated from college, finally with my MPA, my first, what I like to call my first real job, quote unquote, was as an international affairs officer with the U.S. Department of State. So I had immediately moved to Tampa, Florida, MacDill Air Force Base, and began supported different policy work there at the at uh, Central Command. But throughout that academic journey, when I returned from John Cabot, returned from Italy, I was exposed to an organization that I now preside over called Black Professionals in International Affairs. And I started in that organization at least, I mean, maybe eight or nine years ago, started out as an intern with the organization, and then eventually became a student member and then a general member and then was invited as a board member and now serve as the president. And so when I think about my career path and my journey, for me, what it comes back to is my personal mission and what I consider to be some of my operating principles on a life committed to service and uplifting other people in our community. And so the consistent kind of flow under the river, if you will, was always my work with BPIA. And so as well as other partner organizations and community outreach organizations and work in how I could help other students of color and professionals of color, my peers also have access to the opportunities and exposure that I had in the international affairs field. Thank you, Alexandra, so much for sharing your path. And what I love is that, you know, you talked about something that a lot of times we're encouraged, we encourage our students to do, get involved in public service mm. careers. You know, I know for me, and you, and I'm, it's, it's really exciting that you took a path that not a lot of us take is the international route. I know for me personally, I was in the Peace Corps and I had all of these dreams about well, what, what would I do when I was done, you know, whether it be foreign service, an ambassador, et cetera. And like you said, life mm-hmm. sometimes has different, yep. Yep. <laughs> different plans for you. Exactly. Um, but I still interest in to end up in, in a public service type political career. So thank you so much for sharing that journey. Why do you think it's so important to talk to students about educational and career paths? Yeah, there's lots of reasons. And I think when I think about my own career, really just growing up, you know, I really didn't have a lot of folks around me who were engineers or scientists or technologists. So I see it as a key need for our community to be able to go back and talk to, you know, next generation, right? Uh, We're really depending on them to be the next generation of innovators and entrepreneurs. So um, in order for us to continue to be engaged, I want to make sure that I'm I'm doing my part, right? That I'm sharing my knowledge, my experience, that and also why it's fun. Science and technology, math, engineering, those are really fun topics. There's so many things that, and if you look around society that we take for granted that we use on a day-to-day basis, that's really all about technology and the integration of humans working and uh, using technology. So I want to make sure that I'm doing my part. Um, sharing my experience and building up that next generation of students and um, entrepreneurs, like I said, who are interested in, in taking things to the next level. We, we're truly dependent on them to guide our future. So the more we can um, expose them to that, the better. And then also we want to make sure that there's a diverse pipeline, that we have people from all walks of life included and fully integrated into defining our future. 
I'm really glad you mentioned the fun because that's a lot of us were not taught that science and math was fun. So, but you're right. The world, world applications can really make it exciting for, for, for all of us. So that's also a really important point. Sure. Students, in my opinion, are, and I don't mean this figuratively, I mean it literally, are the future of this nation, mm -hmm. right? And so what we invest in our students and in our young people will be reciprocated tenfold in the generations to come when it's time for them to step up as leaders and um, public servants or business individuals or members of our society at large. And so when I think about my journey, for example, and and why it's so important to me to talk to students and continually center students and young adults in this educational kind of conversation and, and the work is that when I, I just think about the impact that people had on my life, mentors, teachers, professional, I mean, folks that I like to think anyone that I come into contact with that I learn something from is a mentor to me in that moment because you're teaching me something new. And mm -hmm. so I encourage for the professionals who may be listening to today's podcast to remember that, that no role is too big or too small. No advice is too big or too small for a young person. And that your advice may be the, or the guidance may be the life-changing thing that a young person needs to hear. And so if we look at the current state of our youth, opioid overdoses, suicide, we're hearing about so many mental health issues. What would you recommend that we do to help kids see a brighter future? Yeah, that's a great, great question. I think for me, you know, one of the things that continually inspire me is to, is whenever I have a chance to actually think about the future, right? So, and I think students, um, our, the folks in our pipeline, they want to have a, a place or a hand in defining our future to be a part of that, right? So I think one thing that can keep people more aspirational about where we need to go is to ask them, right? To actually include them in the process. And I think including um, students, including the next generation in the process of, okay, well, what can we do to support getting more food to people that don't have it or water to people that don't have it? Or, okay, our roads and infrastructure within our cities aren't quite where we want it to be. What would you do if you had the opportunity to do something, right? So I think involving the youth in helping to define the future, helping to develop architect the future, I think is one way to keep things aspirational. When I was growing up, um, the things that inspired me was science fiction, where I had a chance to see, you know, fictional representations of, you know, what the future could be. But now as an engineer and technologist, I actually get a chance to do that, right? Which is remarkable. <laughs> and I still get excited about that. And I'm still awed at the fact that I get a chance to do that. So I think giving them a chance to actually be a part of it, to help define it, help develop it, and help actually cultivate what that looks like, I think is one way to keep things more aspirational. So to go past the challenges of today, but more thinking about the possibilities of what's to come. This is such a timely question. And for some reason, has some levels of stigma or taboo. And I think it's so important that we do talk about these things and that we educate ourselves as adults and as parents or as teachers and educators or, or you know, leaders in this space about understanding what these signs are, knowing how and when to reach out, but really taking kind of an empathetic posture and a compassionate posture when speaking to people 
and really listening to what they're saying. Sometimes folks, the challenge is that they may not feel heard. They may not feel that that the resources are there to fulfill these dreams. And I think a big step of that is listening to folks, meeting folks, especially our young people, meeting them where they are, channeling and, and practicing our patience in, in our interactions with young folks. And another encouraging piece that I'd like to give is making allowing our young folks to experience life, to learn from mistakes. Sometimes it's easy to uh, put an expectation on a young person that there should be all this maturity and decision-making. But in reality, that's a part of the growth process is making mistakes and learning from them and allowing young folks to explore new things and step outside of their comfort zone in new ways. And, mm -hmm. and let's just let's just face it. There was a recent article by Liam Knox on uh, the insider, excuse me, inside higher education, a, an article on black student attainment. It is really challenging for our young people, not only are they dealing with the pressures of society, the peer pressure, the pressure to have to look and look and act a certain way from what they're seeing on social media, but also the unspoken reality sometimes of implicit or overt discrimination or other things that they are also facing and, and processing. There's an excellent book called Why Do All the Black Kids Sit at the Lunch Table? One of my favorite books, and it talks about the importance of these communities, uh, community structures and opportunities for students of a particular ethnic group to be able to come together in a means to be able to process and understand what is happening to them, not or, or that's happening around them or their experiences. So also that includes at the micro everyday level, as well as processing these larger, bigger current events that are also affecting the climate and the environment that they have to live, operate, and work in. It affects us. It affects me as a professional. These things that I just mentioned, why wouldn't it affect our young people? Mm -hmm. And so that's the uh, reflection that I have on that question. And there are so many people that are probably listening to this and thinking, you know, I have so much going on in my life. You know, I don't, I may have possessed, I may have these skills, may have acquired knowledge over my career, but I just don't have the time what would you say to someone who is on the fence about why it's so rewarding for you to connect with students? Hey, I don't think it takes too much time, actually. So I, I think that whatever time you can give is important to give. So you just never know who you're going to touch, what person is going to be able to kind of learn from your own experience. And maybe you're that one person that they connect with and that helps them now transform what their thoughts of the future would be, right? So for me, I have some examples, like tangible examples where I met one person one time in my life and they inspired me and it changed the trajectory of where I was considering. Like I have a, a school teacher I, back when I was in high school who said, hey, you may want to try engineering. Just that one conversation I had with her. And that was enough for me to say, yeah, let me try engineering, right? So you just never know what you would say or do could really help someone or change or transform the course of their lives. So whatever time you can give, please give it. Um, it can definitely make an impact. Thank you, Karan and Alexandria, for joining us today. Sure. Thank you for having me, Krista. No problem. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. What an amazing conversation. Karan and Alexandria are two professionals who've made it a priority to give back to our youth. 
Our youth are faced with so many challenges today. And programs like the Lynx Incorporated's STEAM College and Career Readiness Programs are exactly what we need to help our youth strive for something more out of life. We hope that you feel inspired to think about how you can support our students and ensure they are on the right track. For more information on the Arlington Lynx, please visit www.arlingtonlynxinc.org or visit us on social media at Arlington Links.